From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Excludes tax. Must be opted into rewards. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own Adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey guys, thank you so very much for joining into Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. The Holy Spirit is doing a mighty work around the world through through each and every one of us. And I'm so excited that you are part of season two of Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. I have a free download, a free prophetic activation download for you. It's five days of the prophetic activation. The link is provided right here on this live stream and also on the podcast description and podcast notes. But I want to jump into our special interview tonight. I have my very special friend, Tony Kim, as our guest tonight as we talk about the prophetic, about the prophetic ministry and lessons learned recently. Tony Kim is the U.S. National Director of Harvest International Ministries and he's an apostolic and prophetic voice to the nations. Tony is committed to revival and reformation, and he's the senior leader of the Renaissance Church in Bakersfield, California, and the overseer of the Roar Connect Network. I want you to welcome Tony Kim to Adventures in the Spirit. Tony, thank you so much for being part of today's broadcast. Jared, it's so great to be with you. Always appreciate your heart and all that you're doing for the Lord and the kingdom around the world. And so I, I love your voice and what you've been able to release as well. So thank you. Well, it's my honor, my pleasure. I am excited to be partnering with you and Harvest International Ministries to see revival, to see God break out and signs and wonders around the world to draw people into intimacy with him. And Tony, we've got this I'm excited for this conversation. I really am. But I want to get to know you a little more and let the audience, our listeners, our viewers know who Tony Kim is. So how did you come to know Jesus? Long story short, um, just to give you a little snapshot of my background, I did not grow up in a Christian family. In fact, I grew up in a Buddhist Shinto family. My mom being born in Korea, she's Korean, and my father was a Korean born in Hiroshima under the Japanese concentration, and he was there when the bomb dropped. And so the, both the religions were very prevalent in our family. And just growing up in that, we did a lot of the rituals 
you know, of the religion. We would go do our ancestral spiritual worship, you know, and summoning the spirits and so forth. But long story short, my mom was really ill. She was invited to church at the time and out of desperation, she went to church. And I remember going to church with her one evening and there was a minister there who began to move in words of knowledge and healing and miracles. And he, and he gave a word of knowledge out. It would describe to perfection what my mom had. The fire of God went through my mother's body. She was completely healed. The pain left her. She gave her life to Jesus, and she became the first Christian in our family. But during that time, we grew up in a very broken home, a very impoverished home. We were uh, dumpster diving for years as a family just to put food on the table, literally. And I, I, be, I was very angry. I grew up in gangs and drugs. During that time, my mom still took us to church, but finished miraculously, I finished the eighth grade, completed eighth grade, which is a miracle for me. I think a lot of my aunts and uncles who were unbelievers at the time were even praying to God, asking that I wouldn't be a dropout in junior high. I was just one of those people. My mom paid, saved money all year that sent me to camp that year. And uh, it was a youth camp, a church that we were attending at the time. And I hated it, but she forced me to go. Uh, long story short, it was a fasting and prayer retreat for junior hires. Three nights, four days fasting on water. Wow. And the first two nights, I had two dreams. It was There were God dreams. I was preaching the gospel, and I was denying Christ. I was, I, I was a self-proclaimed atheist at the time. And then in the afternoon, I went into a prayer room and finally did a come to meeting Jesus, you know, meeting with Jesus. And I just said, God, I'm done hearing about you, talking about you, reading about you. Our life is complete mess. I'm angry. I'm broken. There was a lot of abuse there. And I just said, I want to see your face if you're real. And right then, the only way I could describe it is everything in the natural melted like wax. And Jesus stepped into the room and he was walking towards me. And all I thought was, God is real. Jesus is real. And he's going to kill me. And I literally thought that was the end of my life physically. And as closer as he got, I just felt in my spirit him saying to me, get up and look into my eyes. I did. I looked into his deep blue eyes. I was wrecked by his love. And he just said one phrase. He said, follow me. And, and they began to share with me some things that I would experience, some places that I would go. And that became the really genesis of my walk with Jesus as a disciple. And so that's how I came to know him. Four hours later, I prayed for a girl that was paraplegic. She got healed, started walking. And I knew then that everything in the Bible was not just a story from history, but it was for the present right here, right now that Jesus is alive. And that's how I came to know him. That is so exciting. Amazing. I love encountering Jesus. And whenever we encounter Jesus, it's a situation just like that. He's it, there's there's a dying, but there's also a rebirth, right. and a renewing. When we see him in all his glory, I love it. But you came to know the Lord through a supernatural encounter with Jesus, through signs and wonders following. And I believe that the church needs to move in God's power, always pointing to Him right. more than ever before, even. And there are unfortunately churches that are straying away from the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, but we need the prophetic. We need the apostolic. I'm curious, how did you go from grew in Christ afterward, but when did you get called into the apostolic office? You know, I think I still have challenges trying to understand what that really is. But, you know, we're trying to do the best to understand, aren't we? Uh, but in this journey, 
people started coming to me and started prophesying. You know, I received my first word, and I don't share this. This is kind of awkward, Jared, that you're asking me this question. But I started receiving prophetic words that I'm an apostle. You're an apostle, Tony. God's raising you up to be. There's a calling of an apostle. And growing up in a conservative evangelical church, I never heard those terms outside of reading the Bible. So I didn't even know what that was. Um, I operated in the prophetic. I didn't even have the language of the prophetic. I just knew that, you know what? In the Bible, God knows things about people. He gifted people. Therefore, I, I just took everything literally, you know, and I, I just try to stay really simple when it comes to the gospel and the word. And people started prophesying that and people started telling me that. And I thought, I have no clue what it means. You could call me a janitor. You could call me whatever you want, but I'm going to do who I am. That's right. And and finally, there's all of a sudden I started coming into relationship with some of the generals of the faith in our body and the body, uh, the mothers and fathers in the movement. And they started just affirming and confirming, Tony, there's a call of apostleship on you. There's a call of the apostolic on you. And finally, through my spiritual father, who I've been walking with for over 23 years now, Cheon, he finally came to me and said, Tony, you know what? We see this apostleship on you. We see God's call. We see the fruit of your ministry. And so based upon that, through Harvest International Ministry, which is a network that we're part of together, I was commissioned a number of years ago as that. But at the same time, I think more than apostleship and more than prophets, more than any function of the Ephesians 4.11, and we love it and we value it. I think a son of God, a Romans 8 son that the Bible talks about, will exceedingly abundantly outdo anyone in those functions as a title. Because we don't believe it's a title, it's a function, isn't it, to the body of Christ? Absolutely. But that's 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 been my limited journey so far. I, I love it. Yes. And um, I know that for me, being under apostolic alignment is very important. And I'll be honest, when I aligned with the apostles and prophets, the fivefold ministry offices mm -hmm. and served, the blessing and favor of God just came upon me. And, and there's there's a supernatural impartation, revelation, activation, whatever you want to call it, all those things. When I got apostolically aligned with the fivefold mm -hmm. ministry offices and uh, bearing fruit around the world now. But Tony, not too long ago, I saw you post something about did the prophets get it wrong yeah. and we're talking about the recent presidential election and uh you know tony there are some lessons that we need to learn from this the charismatic church the the prophetic movement which we're part of that we love that we serve what are some of the things what is your viewpoint on this did the prophets get it wrong that is our current age-old question right now isn't it i mean it's I mean, what what a time to be alive. Let's just hit it directly. Let's just go after it. Did the prophets get it wrong? I think some prophets did get it wrong. And I think some prophets got it right. But I think at the same time, we need to understand the delivery of how to present the prophetic mm -hmm. to a world that per perhaps never heard of the prophetic or know about the prophetic and even those who follow the prophetic. And so um, that's my answer. Some did and some didn't. But I'll say this. I think we need to really understand the difference between the old covenant prophets and the new covenant prophets. And there's a, there's a huge differential between them two. 
And in the old covenant, thank God we're not in the old covenant because if any of us get one word wrong, we're dead. Uh, Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd be dead. I would have been dead my first word I spoke. Right? I mean, I would have. I mean, that's the old covenant prophets were known more for their accuracy and and the prediction of what was going to happen within the current events. But in the new covenant. I believe that it's not so much about predictions as it is revealing the heartbeat of the Father, God's intent, and God's will. And when I say will, I define it as his desire, the desire of his heart. And so my conclusion in this, and again, this is my opinion, Jared, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that many of the prophets, and I'm not speaking political right now at all, but I believe it was within God's intent and his heart that he wanted Trump to fulfill the assignments that he had for him, which I believe would have taken a second term. So I believe that a lot of the prophets have got captured God's heart, but at the same time, just because it's on God's heart, God's or it's God's will, does not mean that his will always happens. Hmm. And so even theologically, I think we need to understand God has a will, but he doesn't force his will on all of us. There's human choice. There's our will that needs to come in cooperation with his will to see the kingdom manifest. And so I'll just stop there for a moment. Well, I'd love for you. I'd love for us to unpack it about some of the lessons learned, because I believe one of the lessons that I could learn through this is our personal metron, our sphere of influence, our calling, because uh, I, you know, sure. I, I, I love Jesus. I love the prophetic. I love the prophetic community. Um, have I erred? Have I, you know, yes. Have I messed it up? Yes. I'll take responsibility for it. But, you know, some people would ask me about the political world and I don't know. I don't see anything, but I, I don't, I don't want to speak into something that I haven't had a revelation for. That's right. I want to stick with my Metron, which is more personal prophecy. Or if I go to a church and prophesy over leaders, if the Lord directs or submit words for the church to the pastors and leaders before delivering it to their churches. I've done itineration revival in seminars and things at churches. You know, there's a, a, a process, a protocol even. I have grace for, for all of us who've missed it because I've missed it. <laughs> so what are some other lessons that you learned besides what I'm talking about is the Metron, you know, like, hey, just know our little sphere, our world, our calling. And if God continues to grow us in, in a process, you know, maybe in time I'm open to him speaking to me about about uh, politics. But for a presidential election, I don't want to prophesy from my political bias even. Right. You know, I, I need to like push that aside uh, and I'm open to what God has. But if God doesn't show me, I, I just want to pause and just be like, I'm sorry, I don't have the answer. There could be a pressure for some people to prophesy things, but for an election in the United States, because of the two-party system, you have a 50-50 chance. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you know, and God is humbling us. But I think a lesson that we can learn is we need to passionately pursue his presence. That's right. And not a personality, not a person. We tend to elevate prophetic people. We tend to elevate our leaders, even now, people are elevating even politicians. Mm-hmm. When politicians are meant to serve us, you know, they're we we we're the ones that put them in office to to serve us. Anyway, what are some other lessons that you think that we can learn from? 
Jared, you just stated some things that open up a can of worms that's going to oh. get me in trouble because I, there's some things that are on my heart regarding that. But you're right. I think a lot of the prophets have prophesied, again, this is my humble opinion, through a nationalistic filter. Mm, yeah. And when we, when we prophesy through nationalism, that is a very presumptuous way of prophesying. And so I think many of us, we miss it because we prophesy presumptuously. And the Bible talks about that. And presumption literally means an idea uh, that's taken to be true or often used to, to state a fact, although we don't know for certain, right? It's, it's our own desire. It's our own wish. And Deuteronomy 18 talks about that, doesn't it? You know, it talks about how, you know, prophets who get it wrong, talks about them getting stoned, yeah. but then it says that the prophets miss it because they have literally prophesied or they spoken about it presumptuously. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to be cautious in terms of the true prophetic versus presumption. Yes. And, and, and that's something that's very challenging for us because we're all human. We all, we all presume things. And so, but when it comes to prophecy in this context, we need to rid ourselves of presumption yeah. um, and really hear the heartbeat of God and hear the voice of God before we speak. Oh, amen. I'm so in agreement with you there. <laughs> And there are things that, you know, that I've seen recently that, that have concerned me about the community I'm, I'm, I'm involved with, the people I love, the people I, I identify with. Uh, and, you know, I want to see a purity to the prophetic, yeah. but that makes me want to keep my heart pure first and, and make sure that my home is in alignment. My home is pure. My, my marriage is pure, you know, all those things before I can step out and, and bless other people, you know, for, for the glory of God. But when it comes to, you know, as, as we'd mentioned some biases, you know, we, we do need to be careful because, you know, we, we tend to, we could get pulled into an echo chamber. We, you know, we could get pulled into mm -hmm. some weird ideas even. Okay. Like we need to be careful of filtering the prophetic with current events and news and even, uh, and this might get me in trouble here, even our eschatology views, you know, if we're filtering them through some of our lenses, because, right. you know, in seminary, we learned about our lenses. We all have lenses that we can study scripture through that. And we all kind of do bring our cultural background to the study of scripture or even to prophesying in this context. Well, there needs to be a purity. What do you think the church right. can do to get back to the main thing, the purity of the prophetic? You know, I think most importantly, the purity of the prophetic has to come from the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God itself. And we need to ground ourselves in this season. I think one thing that we've learned through this whole journey and process of the, not only the elections, but this whole lockdown, so to speak, is to reground the church. And I think so many people are prophesying apart from Scripture actually contradicting scripture, yeah. contradicting the heartbeat of God. I, I want to just encourage every one of us to get back into the word of God, get back into orthodoxy, sound doctrine, scripture, because the greatest prophetic word is the word of God itself. And everything else is, I believe, hinges on the word of God and that Jesus is the Christ, son of the living God. And so um, I think we, in order for the prophetic to be pure, it needs to be directly anchored in Scripture. Secondly, I think we need to make sure we, like you said, guard our own hearts. Let's not start despising prophetic words. 
and you know, First Thessalonians five talks about that. You know, it says, "Don't quench the spirit, but instead, and don't despise prophetic utterances." Quenching the spirit and despising prophetic words go hand in hand. It's in the same context of scripture. So when you despise the word, uh, the prophetic word, and the prophetic ministry, you're literally quenching the spirit. And so we want to make sure that we guard our hearts from being offended or um, bitter, or you know, just we need to learn to ask the right questions that cause us to go deeper with God. And I think this is where we fail, Jared, as the church at large. I think if the prophets have failed in this season, the church has failed equally at large. Because what we're doing is we're hearing the prophets prophesy, but and that's the prophet's role. It's their function. And as they're prophesying, the other half of that equation is not being done well right now. Right. which is let us discern. Yes. We need to test the words. In the same context of 1 Corinthians chapter 5 there, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic words. It goes on. It says, but examine everything carefully yes. and hold fast to that which is good. And what we're not doing right now is the body of Christ is examining the words. All we're doing is blame shifting and we're, you know, pointing fingers. And I mean, God forbid, p- people are getting death threats that I know. Right. You know, and that is, that's just ludicrous to me. That is not the heart of God. But what we need to l- learn to do is this, and I'll take responsibility of this, you know, as a leader in the body, is we have not taught the church to discern well. We have not taught the church to test the prophetic words well. And that word test, as you know, in the Greek is to put it under a microscope. And so we need to learn to do that. And so I'd say, Prophets, keep prophesying, and may the body arise and learn to test the words and hold that, hold on to that which is good. That's right. That's right. I know that you know some people have spoken on, on what we're talking about. About there's been confirmation bias. There's been political bias, as you and I had mentioned. There's been our cultural things. You know, even just what we desire. Even that's right. Like you said, we have to ask the right questions. Can you name just a couple of those questions? And then I would love for us after that to pray impartation on people to trust the prophetic. And if if we've hurt, if if people are hurt from these predictions that didn't come about that come to pass, you know, no. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I pray blessing upon you and I pray that you see Jesus. And I know that our, our body, our church Christian body needs healing but also will we will be refined so tony can you name a couple of the questions the right questions that we need to start asking you know in terms of um testing the words or just in general just in general yeah i think i think we need to just continue to ask the lord you know faith hope and love is the foundation is the eternal foundation for us and the questions that i think we need to be asking god is God, what is your heart for this for this person? God, what is your heart for this city? What is your heart for the nation? We need to capture the heart of God first and then identify, okay, God, who do you want to be for this person? Who do you want to be for this city? Who do you want to be for this nation in this hour? And that only comes from a place of intimacy. And I, I love you for this, Jared. You're a man of intimacy. You know, it's to be in front of the face of God. And then from there... I would say, God, how do I love well? 
based upon your heart, how do I practically put this into practice where I'm loving this person well? How do I love my city well? How do I love my nation or the nations well from based upon what you, and let him speak to you, you know, and just hear and listen. And, and when he speaks, ask questions, every prophetic word or every revealing that God does, it's an invitation to a deeper part of his heart. And so it's supposed to draw us in. And so let me just ground this with one story in the Bible. You know, before Jesus went to the cross, it says that the Roman guards came. But before that, Jesus told Peter to get swords. And so the Roman guards come and we know what happens. Jesus gets captured. Peter pulls the sword out and he hacks off the ear. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, what are you doing? And Peter goes, you told me to get swords. Right. So the the assumption and the presumption there is Jesus told him to get swords. Therefore, the Roman guards are coming. Therefore, he wants me to use it. Actually, every instruction is there for us to actually know God more, to understand his heart. And Jesus says, Peter, this is not my way. I told you to get it, but I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I told you to get the swords, but who told you to use it? You know, and and we need to dive in to the heart of God more and more. That's Ephesians one seventeen, spirit of wisdom and revelation. Amen, Tony. It would be an honor for you to pray an impartation on those watching or listening to this later. Pray an impartation and and whatever the Holy Spirit leads you, whether it's healing because of these events that that well, you know, let people down because. Some people spoke, as you said, presumptuously. Would you please pray for us? Absolutely. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. And Lord, you've given us ears to hear, Lord, and by your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would give every one of us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. And Lord, there's so much hurt and wound out there, so many questions and confusions. Lord, I pray that you would bring clarity and you would heal our hearts, God. Words that we've held on to that cause disappointment. Lord, disillusionment, hopelessness. Lord, I pray for resurrection of hope within the heart of your people, God. And I pray that the spirit of prophecy would be released over a generation. And God, I pray, Lord, that through this, as you showed me already, that there's going to be razor sharp prophetic accuracy of a new generation that's coming forth with the sword of the Lord, the word of God in their mouth that would speak the true word. And God, we thank you for these ones who prophesied and even missed it, God, that I believe they're not false prophets. They didn't try to lie or deceive, but Lord, they did the best they can. Lord, I pray blessing upon them and cause them to speak with greater accuracy and continue to speak with boldness. And so, Father, I just pray that healing power that comes from your name. And even now, God, I just pray for those with joint pains right now, Lord, that you would just loose them of joint pains, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis be gone right now in Jesus' name. Migraines be gone right now in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we just say all those who need a touch, Holy Spirit, would you touch them right now in your glory, for your glory. Amen. 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 Tony, it was an honor and a pleasure to have you on Adventures in the Spirit. Thanks so much for having me. I love it. I love what you're doing. Well, I love it. I'm having the most fun of my life. And to anybody viewing or listening in, please feel free to subscribe, rate, review, and share Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. It's available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Charisma Podcast Network. It's on YouTube. 
It's in a whole bunch of places. But Tony, what is the best way for people to get more information about you? Uh, you could go to TonyKim.co or irenaissance.org, which is our church. But social media is probably the best, Tony Kim. And Instagram is Mickey Knot. Tony Kim backwards is the way you can typically find me on social media. Awesome. Well, awesome. Thank you so very much. And guys, please feel free to share this. Bless anybody and everybody and go out and walk in your authority and identity with Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation and adventures in the spirit. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own adventures in the spirit. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.